0: Good morning, church. Great to see you. We've just come off a wonderful week of prayer. Thank you for your participation. It just was a wonderful um, time with Brother Bill and the Word and just a precious time growing in that most privileged place where we can come before God. We can come before God. We can come before His throne room with our requests, with our, with our petitions and our supplications and We can come before him without prayers, all because of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. It's through Christ that we can come with confidence before the throne of God's amazing grace. Amen. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Open your Bibles today, please, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 today is part 1 in our series, The Gospel-Centered Family. The Gospel-Centered Family. I'd like to begin our series with a simple definition of the gospel. The word means good news. Good news. And please write this definition somewhere on your outline The gospel is the announcement that life with God is now possible on earth through Jesus Christ. The gospel is the announcement that life with God is now possible on earth through Jesus Christ. The gospel church changes our relationships, first with God and then with our families Our new life with God shapes our family values and priorities. The gospel shapes the way we love. The gospel shapes the way we treat each other. The gospel shapes the way we forgive. The gospel shapes the way we serve. Paul declares in Romans 1... Chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, today's main text. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together today in in the name of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this beautiful time of worship. We thank you for your presence in our midst. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have sent to us, our helper, our teacher, the one who walks alongside of us. It's my prayer that through the power of your spirit today, that you would communicate God through your servant, your eternal truths, that you would be glorified, that that everyone here would be built up and strengthened and, and edified in their faith, that maybe some here today would come to faith in Jesus Christ we just commit this time to you in Jesus name amen it is the gospel of Christ Paul says because it is centered in Christ you see the gospel centered family is a Christ centered family the family today is under tremendous assault tremendous assault It's no secret. I truly believe that the Christian family, Christian marriages, Christian families are under tremendous assault today. And it's my prayer through this series that every marriage and every family in this assembly would be touched by God including my marriage and my family. That every marriage and every family would be, would be strengthened, would be built up, would be edified through this series in the name of Jesus Christ. That God would be glorified, magnified in every marriage and every family in this assembly through the preaching of his word through this series, the gospel-centered family. The gospel-centered family is a Christ-centered family. The gospel is the central theme of the New Testament. In, in, In his letter to the Roman believers, the apostle Paul writes to them about the gospel. This was one city he had not visited but was planning to at some point. And so in preparation for his visit, the apostle Paul writes this letter. And he begins his letter with a strong emphasis on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul writes Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Paul's self identification in verse 1 is very important. He is first a bondservant of of Jesus Christ, and second, called to be an apostle. The Greek word for bondservant means complete devotion. Paul was all in. Today I'm laying the the groundwork for, for our series, The Gospel centered Family. Paul was all in. Called to be an apostle. The idea of being an apostle is that you are a special ambassador or messenger, Paul's message is the gospel, good news of God. Paul, right into the church in Corinth, he, he calls every follower of Christ an ambassador of Christ. We have a message. We have a king, not from this kingdom, but from we have a heavenly king. Amen. And we have a message. It's the gospel of God. Amen, It's the good news. Of God. It is the gospel of God in the sense that it belongs to God. This isn't a gospel Paul made up. He he simply is a messenger of God's gospel, of God's good news. And we are too. It is the message that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again, and saves all who trust in him, according to First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. The gospel is the announcement that life with God is now possible on earth through Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray we really get this into our hearts. The gospel is the announcement that life with God is now possible on earth through Jesus Christ. When Paul introduced himself as separated to the gospel of God, it's quite possible that he was contrasting his former state as a Pharisee with his present state as a Christian. The word Pharisee means separated. When Paul was a Jewish rabbi, Pharisee, he was separated to the law of God, which had no power to save. And now, being a Christian, a follower of Christ, he was separated to the gospel of God, which has the power to save. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Paul writes, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Paul was a tireless gospel worker, working all over the world, preaching the gospel. I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. The phrase, the gospel of his son, indicates that Jesus is God in human flesh. God left heaven put on human flesh, and stepped into our broken world, into our broken lives. And the gospel is the announcement that life with God is now possible on earth through Jesus Christ. You talk about awesome. Life with God is now possible. That's awesome. On earth through Jesus Christ. Christ. The gospel shouts this truth. Paul continues his his gospel emphasis in, in Romans chapter 1 verse 15. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. This was a bold way of talking. Paul was eager to march with Christ alone to Um, To the world's center of power, Rome, a place entrenched under Satan's influence with the word of the cross, the gospel, which he himself says is to the Jews an offense and to the Gentiles, foolishness. When when Paul did eventually get to Rome, and he did eventually get there, he came as a shipwrecked prisoner. He had a strong desire to get there. Will he get there? I, I love what Spurgeon says. I do not suppose that Paul guessed that he would be sent there at the government expense, but he was. The Roman Empire had to find a ship for him and a fit escort for him too. And he entered the city as an ambassador in chains. When our hearts are set on a thing and we pray for it, God may grant us the blessing, but it may be in a way that we never looked for. You shall go to Rome, Paul, but you shall go in chains." When Paul said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you um, who are in Rome also, the apostle Paul was saying that he was ready to suffer. He was ready to die if need be. He was all in. The gospel had such a hold on Paul. Had such a hold on Paul. Oh, the gospel grabbed a hold of Paul. It had such a hold on him. So much so that he was willing to suffer and die. To him, the gospel was more than a ticket to heaven. It was a way of life to live. In Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, today's main text Paul introduces the theme of his letter, the righteousness of God, as revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, reveals Paul's heart. In a sophisticated city like Rome, some might be embarrassed by a gospel centered on a crucified Jewish Savior embraced by the lowest classes of people. But Paul is not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Paul's not ashamed of a gospel centered on a crucified Savior, he's not. He knows that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, has innate, built in power. We do not give the gospel its power. Our presentation doesn't give the gospel its power. Our preaching doesn't give the gospel its power. Our multimedia doesn't give the gospel its power. The gospel is not advice to people. It's not good advice to people suggesting that they lift themselves up. The gospel is power. It lifts them up. How many have been lifted up by the gospel? I've been lifted up by the gospel. I continue to be lifted up. By the gospel. The gospel is power. It lifts them up. Paul does not say that the gospel brings power. But that it is power. in God's power at that. It's the same power that, that hung the stars. And parted the Red Sea. Multiplied the bread and the fish. And rose Jesus from the grave. Rome thought it knew all about Power. They were the center of power in the world at that time. Power is the one thing that Rome boasted of the most. Greece might have its philosophy, but Rome had its power. Despite all their power, despite all their power, the Romans, like all men, were powerless to make themselves righteous before a holy God. The gospel, good news of God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul writes to the Romans for in it the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And so the book of Romans begins with the gospel but it also ends with the gospel. In the very last chapter in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, verse 25, the apostle Paul writes, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ. Paul saying the gospel I preach, which is the proclamation of Jesus Christ, is able to establish you. The Greek word for establish means to make stable. To make stable place firmly, set fast, fix in place, to strengthen, make firm. The gospel forms the foundation for who we are. And this truth is so important as we, as we, um, begin this series in the gospel-centered family. The gospel forms the foundation for who we are. The gospel saves us. Romans one sixteen again, Paul writes, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Not only does the gospel save us, it sustains us. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, past tense, received, past tense, and in which you stand, present tense, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. The gospel not only saves you, But it also sustains you. It holds you up. It is the believer's foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'd like to sing that song at the conclusion of the service today. Not only does the gospel save us and sustain us. The gospel sanctifies us. The gospel plays an important role in sanctifying us. The Bible is not a rule book to follow. It is the message of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ, with every scripture before the cross pointing to God's redemptive work and everything after the cross, including our sanctification, flowing from that work. Paul writes To the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. The life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love what B.B. Warfield says. There is nothing in us or done by us at any stage of our earthly development because of which we are acceptable to God. We must always be accepted for Christ's sake or we can never be accepted at all. This is not true of us only when we believe. It is just as true after we have believed. It will continue to be true as long as we live. Our need of Christ does not cease with our believing, nor does the nature of our relation to him or to God through him ever alter. No matter what our attainments in Christian graces or our achievements in behavior may be, it is always on his blood and righteousness alone that we can rest. What a powerful quote. This is so critically important. Church, religion is a performance based culture. Christianity is not religion based, it's relationship based. God is all about relationship. As Pastor Dan alluded to just moments ago, God said after he made man, it's not good for man to be alone, and so he creates him a, a helpmate. God made man and woman to have relationship with them. He made man and woman so they can have relationship with each other. God is is all about relationship. Church, religion is a performance-based culture. They think God's acceptance of them is based on their performance. This mindset has taken hold of many professed Christians today, especially if they were raised in a performance-based religion. And There's a, a real danger with this mindset, not only in our relationship with God, but also in our family relations. If we think God's acceptance of us is based on our performance, we will take that same kind of thinking into our marriage and family relationships. We will have performance-based relationships. The strength and health of our relationships will be determined by our performance rather than the grace and love of God contained in the gospel of Jesus Christ that has taken hold of our lives. When someone in our family doesn't measure up to our standard, how many, if we're honest with ourselves, we have standards that we have drawn up We think our standards are gospel. You're quiet. When someone in our family doesn't measure up to our standards, we get angry. We get hurt, impatient. Critical. We'll talk more about this in our series. Something to keep in mind. The gospel shouts to us, regardless of our human feelings, regardless of our human fallings, failings, our sin, God loves us. Aren't you grateful for that, church? God loves us. The gospel continues to remind us that our day-to-day acceptance by the Father is not based on what we do for God, but upon what Christ did for us in his sinless life and sin-bearing death on the cross. And for that, I am so grateful. Paul writes again to to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live in the flesh, present tense, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in the gospel of Christ. I live in the center of the gospel of Christ. We stand before God today as righteous as we ever will be. Even in heaven because he has clothed us with the righteousness of his son. And that's awesome. That's amazing. And therefore, I don't have to perform to be accepted by God. It doesn't mean I don't have responsibility before God because I do and you do as well. We're not saved by our works but we are saved to work. For example, marriage is work. It's a good work. Most of the time. <laughs> marriage is work. You know, I, I share with couples as I, as I walk with them in, in pre-marriage counseling and preparation for their special day. I, I like to share with them, marriage is work. And when the work stops the marriage stops working. Come on, some of you veterans out there. How true is that? When we stop practicing God's principles, things begin to break down. It's not our performance, but it's our practice. And when we stop practicing God's principles, things begin to break down. It's not that we're not performing well. We can never perform good enough. But when we stop practicing God's principles, things begin to break down. It's not our performance, but our practice or lack of practicing God's principles. I know in my own marriage relationship that when I practice God's principles, For marriage, as laid out in the Holy Scripture, our home is a happy home. I also know when I don't practice God's principles, my home is not a happy home. It's not performance that breaks things down. It's the lack of practicing God's principles that begin to break things down. You see, my driving motivation in becoming more like Jesus, that's what sanctification is all about, church. It's not driven by guilt, but gratitude. 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 Of what Christ has done for me. Church, even though we understand that our acceptance with God is based on Christ's work, we still naturally tend to drift back into a performance mindset. We're never not dependent on the gospel. The gospel does, doesn't just save us, it sustains us, and, and, it, and it sanctifies us. I need the gospel today just as much as I did at the age of, of 11 years old when I committed my life to Christ. I need the gospel just as much today, and I'm going to need it just as much tomorrow and on Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. We are never not dependent on the gospel. People tend to drift away from the gospel. I think that's why Paul keeps preaching the gospel to people who already know. They already know about the gospel, but he keeps preaching about the gospel. He preaches it in Romans, he preaches it in Corinthians, in Galatians, in Ephesians, in Philippians, in Colossians. Over and over and over again, he preaches the gospel to people who know the gospel. Why? Because we drift away from the gospel. I need it just as much today as I did when I was an 11-year-old boy on a Wednesday night when I responded to the altar call and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I need the gospel just as much for my life today, for my marriage today, and for my children today, and our coming granddaughter April 1st of this year. Come on, church, someone shout amen. The gospel forms the foundation for who we are. However, Scripture teaches that the gospel not only affects who we are, it transforms how we relate to each other. Personal life transformation progressively reflects the person of the gospel, Jesus Christ. One of the evidences of genuine conversion is that one's values, one's beliefs, one's behavior progressively reflects the values, the beliefs and behaviors presented to us in God's holy word of the Bible. Spiritual transformation reproduces gospel values in our lives. That's the norm. When when the gospel has taken hold of us, Gospel values are values that are exemplified in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's consider all three for a moment. The life of Christ. The gospel values relationships. We see this clearly in the life of Christ throughout the four gospels. Jesus is is God in the flesh God stepped out of heaven, came into our broken world, stepped into our broken lives. He put human flesh on. Why? To have a relationship with us. And so the gospel values relationships. And as you read through the four gospels, we we see this clearly in the life of Christ. He was obedient to the Father's will, He was compassionate. He was caring, he was forgiving, he was gracious, he was a servant of all servants. Let's consider the death of Christ. The gospel values acts of sacrificial service in our relationships. In John chapter 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Paul writing to the church in Philippi, he writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, one of humility and sacrificial service. How blessed would our relationships be with this mind of Christ, this mind of humility and and sacrificial service. Just imagine how, how blessed our relationships would be. When I think of the death of Christ, the words burden bearer come to mind. I can't help but think of Paul's um, writing to the church in Galatia in Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's exactly what Christ did for us on the cross. He bore our burden of sin. He bore what we could not. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He writes, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 happens only in personal relationship. Gospel values are values that exemplify that are exemplified in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's consider the resurrection of Christ. Words like victory, words like power, new life, new beginning, restoration, hope, all come to my mind. Paul writes to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The gospel values, new beginnings and relationships. Transformation is the process of belief is being recreated in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel values, relationships. The gospel values, acts of sacrificial service. The gospel values, New beginnings in relationships. How many here would say in the second Sunday, or is it the third? It's the third Sunday. Boy, it's already flying, isn't it? We're in week number three already. Wow. How many need a new beginning in a relationship you're in? The gospel values new beginnings in relationships. Amen. Transformation is the process of believers being recreated in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Romans 12:2 Paul writes, "And do not be conformed to this world." That's a real problem today in Christianity. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is our mind renewed? By the word of God, the spirit of God. He takes the word of God, amen, and he transforms our inside out. Isn't that glorious? Why is that important? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for, the, for your whole life. Let's bring it down to our relationships. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your marriage, for the person that you're dating, for your children, your grandchildren. That we... May prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. We have too much worldly thinking. Too much. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to talk more about about these truths in, in, in this series. The gospel transforms how we relate to each other. When you are a recipient of the grace of God. How many recipients of the grace of God do we have in the house today? Amen. How many? Woo, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. When you are a recipient of the grace of God, you love differently. You just love differently. You love more deeply. You find yourselves not putting as many conditions. You're not perfect at it, but you're not putting as many conditions on your love. And as you grow in this wonderful grace, you put less and less con- conditions on your love because you're learning to love more and more like Jesus. And, and men, we're going to talk about this at some point in the series. Husband, love your wives like Christ loved the church. We've got to remove the conditions. Why? Because Christ loved the ch- loves the church unconditionally. You become more gracious and merciful. How many recipients of the the grace of God do we have in the house? Come on, how many do we have? Man, when when we just begin to just, even understanding possibly even a third of this marvelous, amazing grace of God. We become more gracious. We become more gracious. We become more merciful in our relationships, don't we? Patient, or or, or like the King James says it, long-suffering. Man, when when this grace of God has taken hold of our lives, in our relationships, we, we endure all things. We keep no records of wrong. We hope all things. And we stand on this gospel foundation. And we believe with deep conviction what the Apostle Paul penned to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8. Love never fails. When this When the grace of God has has taken hold, we're more forgiving. We're more forgiving. The gospel affects our relationships, and this effect is most clearly seen in our homes. And during this series, we will unpack the transforming effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the relationships we have closest to us, those relationships in our family structure. What does gospel-centered mean? The word centered means a point around which anything rotates or revolves. Let me say it again. A point around which anything rotates or revolves. Just like the sun is the center of the solar system and all the planets rotate or revolve around the sun, so the sun, S-O-N, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is the center of the gospel-centered family. The gospel is the center of their lives, of their relationships, everything they are and do rotates or revolves around the gospel of Jesus Christ. How the husband loves and serves his wife is centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's centered around Jesus Christ. Jesus influences the way the husband loves and serves his wife. How the wife respects, supports, and encourages her husband is influenced by Christ. How the children obey and honor their parents. How the parents parent their children. How they all interact relationally. It's all centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like the gravitational pull of the sun keeps the planets in their orbits, so the gospel has tremendous influence. Tremendous influence pulling the gospel-centered family into alignment with God's eternal truths. Because we tend to what? We tend to drift. Am I the only drifter here? Is there any other drifters in the house? So few of us have really connected the gospel with the way we live as husbands. As wives, as fathers and mothers and children and grandparents and and singles. Yes, singles, There's there's a word for you. The gospel is not just simply the entry point into the Christian life, but it is also the foundation and power that shapes who we are becoming and all we do as Christians, as Christ followers, and as a Christian family. Far too many Christians fail to have healthy and successful marriages and families because they're not based on the reality for which they were originally designed. In other words... Our definition of success is far too influenced by the prevailing culture rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're honest with ourselves. Families and marriages matter to God because through them, the gospel is both demonstrated to the world and passed on to the next generation, our children. I want to stress it again. The gospel forms the foundation of our marriages and families. Here's a quote by Reinhard Bonnke. The cross of Christ is the heart of the gospel. It takes the entire Bible to explain it. All our teaching must relate to that like all the spokes and rim and ties of a wheel relate to the axle. Jesus is the center, the pivot. Everything else will fit into place around Jesus. Indeed, the entire Word of God revolves around him. If Christ is not the hub, the wheel will wobble and break. The Gospel centered family is a family where Jesus is at the center. Everything revolves around him. Not the husband, not the wife, Not the marriage, not the children. I'm going to remind myself in a couple of months, not the grandchildren. (laughs) I'm going to try. Everything as I close centers around the gospel, around Christ. And if we're honest with ourselves, In so many Christian homes, the gospel isn't the center. We've put ourselves in the center. Or maybe in in, in fear of, of losing a spouse, you put that spouse at the center. or we've placed our kids at the center. I mean they influence everything we do. That's a real that's a real danger and a real crisis today in the Christian home. When we make the gospel the center, we place the gospel at the center of our lives, our marriages, our families. We let go, and we let God. He can do a much better job than Pat Medeiros can. Amen? And when I surrender and yield myself to the lordship of Jesus Christ and apply the principles of his truth, even when they hurt, even when you don't understand, even when you, in your flesh you don't want to, can I just be real? He ministers His grace when we say, God, I'm letting go, and I'm letting you. I'm letting go of control. I'm letting you to be in control. And We begin to apply the gospel, the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is broken begins to heal.